Hi, everyone. Before we get into today's topic, I wanted to let you know about this week's cyber sale that I'm having in my online store. This week, the books available in the Losing Weight to Gain Control series are on sale. The Food Journal and the Believe and Achieve Journal are the resources that I created to help you track your weight loss and non-scale goals. There are also sections to track your exercise progress and how you're progressing on your food and non-scale goals. Use the code LOSE2020 for 10% discount on physical items from the online store. That's L-O-S-E 2020. And all orders over $20 get free shipping in the U.S. If you have international shipping, please contact me so we can discuss to get those resources to you. Go to thegwenalexander.com, click on the online store to get your resources and create a life you don't use food to escape from. Losing weight to gain control. Today's episode, Sleep and Your Weight with Thomas Hinton. Welcome to today's episode of the Losing Weight to Gain Control podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, your host. And today we have a special guest with us. We have Thomas Hinton. And Thomas is the CEO of Circadian Health Systems. And he's a certified health coach with 11 plus years of experience in the sleep field. He helps individuals optimize and improve their mental and personal performance through evidence and experience-based sleep coaching. He, he, help, he will help you understand how sleep impacts overall health and provide a customized and personalized sleep plan tailored just for the individual. So, Thomas, welcome to the podcast today. How are you yeah, doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Is Thomas okay or Tom? Or how do you want me uh, to? Thomas works. Okay. And you can just call me Gwen. I know legally I am Gwendolyn, but that's just yeah. so much to say. So I'm just Gwen. We were just talking before and uh, when you reached out to me about being on the podcast, I was like, oh, this is great because I've mentioned before how I noticed my sleep patterns affected how I, I would eat, but I'm not an expert in the field. So I thought, great, we'll have the expert on. So I'm glad you, you went ahead and did that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I, I'm pretty excited about this. So I love talking about it. Well, you're going to get a chance. I mean, you can go as long as you need. We okay. got all the time in the world. Uh, one of the things I always like to find out when I talk to someone is how did you get into this field of becoming a sleep coach? What led you to want to help individuals in this field? Absolutely. So I'll kind of start at the beginning. So again, you know, I've, I guess total, I've been in sleep for 12 years now. And I started off in the sleep lab at OSF. It was at the Illinois, the Illinois, yeah, the Illinois Neurological Institute, or INI Sleep. Um, is where it was at. And it was really there where I, I had the opportunity to witness and experience the architecture and mechanism behind sleep. So what it looks like, how it works, and then what different stages of sleep, you know, how they, how they affect different functions of the body. So that was really cool being able to learn that. So I did more on the sleep apnea side than, than anything, and this lake syndrome and narcolepsy and, and, and cataplexy and stuff like that. But just I took my that and continued education and training. I just started, started helping people started working in a pulmonary office, uh, you know, running the sleep medicine part of that practice. And then just here and there, just kind of helping, you know, friends and family. And then they're sending their friends to me, you know, to, for, for help. 
And eventually somebody's like, you know what, dude, you should do this for a living. You should get paid like the coach people to do this. I was, you know, and I'm like, you know, that's a really good idea. Uh, so in July of 2019, I launched uh, Circadian Health Systems. And uh, yeah, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Now that the first, January 1st of 2020 was when I was really able to come out and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. Um, but then COVID happened. Yeah. You know, it's I- like the first, yeah. So the first half of the year is really, really bad. But this second half is, has, has just been phenomenal. It's been great. So it's, it's really good. I think yeah, COVID happened, like you said. I think it hit everybody like, wow, what's going on? But I think something good that came out of it is everybody's looking at, okay, how crazy their lives probably were before COVID and how mm-hmm. busy they were and sleep deprived and finally taking the time to look at their health and look at how that impacts everything. So that's probably actually helping you, like you said, the second half of the year, at least. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, because what's happening is, you know, a lot of you know, places shut down, a lot of, you know, uh, you know a, lot of, a lot of leadership and business owners were trying to figure out what they're going to do with their staff, with themselves, with their business. So a, a lot of the contact and attraction and momentum that I had just died, you know. Um, and now, like I said, that second half of the year, people are starting to reach back out like, hey, um, I was really interested before, but let's pick up where we left off. Um, I've got therapists that are referring mental health clients to me. You know, I'm, I'm currently in, in negotiations with a WNBA team, you know, right now for, you know, for, for their players. Uh, so it's just, it's been phenomenal. And, and to add a little more as to my why, my, my real reason why I got to sleep, you know, it was, it was my dad. So my, my dad was 35 years old. I have a massive heart attack. And so I got into the field and just, you know, learning different, different aspects of, of what sleep apnea and what sleep deprivation does. I started picking up, you know, my, my, my mom telling me about how he used to snore you know, and stuff like that. And then I see pictures of him and he was just a really, he was fit workout, um, but it was just a head on top of some shoulders. Like there was really no neck, you know? And so that's what really got me into that because I feel I have sleep apnea and it can be hereditary. So I've always felt that that's what may have been the issue. And back then, of course, the education and the training and the awareness just wasn't there. Um, so really I got into this just to make sure to try to help people not be my dad. Well, I, I think that's why a lot of us get into this. Like even me with starting this podcast, I have family members that have weight problems. And I mean, we have real, like we're addicted to food type problems. And, <laughs> and uh, so, I, you know, over the years, like you said, with you studied and saw how it impacted your family. And I thought there's got to be a better way to handle this. So it always seems like whenever you get into a certain career, it, there's <laughs> usually a, a why like that, that based, you know, it's personal to you. So I think that's what helps individuals know that, wow, this person could really help me. I wanted to ask you, how does sleep deprivation impact your health and the weight of your clients? Like, what do you see that it does to them that isn't the best? I mean, you know, like what kind of health problems do they have or, or things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the main things, uh, if we're talking, you'll hear me talk about sleep apnea too, because that's a form of sleep deprivation. It, it causes that. But with sleep deprivation, it's one of the leading causes, you know, of heart disease, cardiovascular disease, uh, stroke, neurological disorders. People don't realize uh, how big of an impact sleep it you know has on your overall health. Like when you don't sleep well, I mean everything doesn't work. You know your body doesn't work well. Like different functions of the body, it, they don't work as well. And it's 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 been studied. It's been evidence. So just over the course of my career, you know, working in clinics and stuff like that, we would have patients that would come in. I'm eating all the right things, but the weight's not coming off. You know, and so first thing I'm thinking of, okay, well, how are you sleeping? You know, and so they, they have like dietitians and all these other people that they're talking to and they're not, and, I, and I'm not being critical of those professions, but they're not asking the right questions. 
Um, and the most important one is how you're sleeping. You know, they come to find out they're either A, you know, they're waking up gasping and choking in the middle of the night, you know, they're snoring, um, or they, they, they have insomnia, you know, all these different things play a factor. And so your body cannot regulate or, or activate to what you're doing to it, you know, from an exercise or a diet standpoint when you're, when you're not sleeping right. Yeah. Um, I, and I think, like I said, a lot of people are starting to realize that I actually kind of went through that this past week. I have lupus too. I have a bunch of autoimmune conditions. So I've had to adjust how I do some things. And there were two days I woke up and I was like, my body's like, no, you didn't sleep well. You need to get a little more rest. And, <laughs> and, uh, but that's one of those things. Yeah. Cause usually the thing is go hard, go hard, you know, get your exercise. It's like, no, my body saying you need to, to sleep a little more. You're not going to be able to function today. And you, you talked about sleep apnea. I wanted to also have you define that for our listeners. What is the difference between sleep apnea and sleep deprivation? Sure. So with sleep deprivation, uh, it just means that you're, that you're just not getting enough sleep. Whether it be your, uh, you know, you're staying up late you know, and then going to bed late and then, waking, and then waking up early. Or it could be, you know, you're going to bed at a decent time, but, but then you're, you're waking up, you know, earlier than usual or waking up multiple times you know, throughout the night and not getting the proper amounts of rest. Sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is, is how you describe it. It's having multiple pauses in your breathing for ten seconds or more a night. Okay, that that that's what a, that's what a, an apnea event is categorized. Um, and so that also causes you know sleep deprivation, if you will, it, because when you're when you stop breathing in your sleep, I'll get a little sciencey here. So when you stop breathing in your sleep, the, the carbon dioxide in your blood builds up, um, and there's these little receptors in, in our bloodstream that are called chemoreceptors, and, and th their responsibility is to monitor chemical change, you know, in the bloodstream. It, it senses that there's this, there's this uptake in, in, in almost said carbs, um, this uptake in, uh, in carbon dioxide. And so it alerts the body and says, hey, something's not right here. Can, can you do something about this? And so the brain kind of sends a dolt to the body to resume. It, it arouses you just enough to resume normal breathing. Um, and so what that does is that, that, that keeps you, it wakes you up, wakes you up, wakes you up, wakes you up, wakes you up. And so you're not getting the proper amounts of sleep there either. Um, so that's why both are they're both detrimental to your health. Sleep apnea, of course, is is more dangerous than sleep deprivation alone, it's because of the stress that it has on, on your heart and your brain, and just the lack of oxygen to your brain. Um, so there's I mean there's so many different different areas you can go with this as to what it affects, but yeah, it's 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 really hard on you. Is that something like they'd have to go to a do a sleep study to figure out if they have sleep apnea? How does one go about getting diagnosed with that? Uh, so the, main, the first thing that I tell, you know, whether they're my clients or if, you know, there's someone that, that was looking to get that done, go to, go to your primary care, tell them what's going on um, because he, they, they have to get, they have to refer you to sleep specialists. So, so go there, say, Hey, this is what's going on. I'm snoring. This is how I'm feeling. All these different things. I'd like to get a sleep study and then they'll refer you to a sleep specialist. Um, then you'd have your consult with them and then they refer you. And so see in the old days, like when, when I first, you know, got into the, in the sleep game, the in-lab sleep studies were, that, that was the, the most popular and the, and the most, uh, you know, convenient. Um, now they're doing home sleep studies, now, which is really neat. And a lot of insurances are paying for those first because they're cheaper. Um, so it's something quick, use some quick data, get the information back, you know, get it, get it read out, um, you know, get your results and, you know, and then go over next steps. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was that because I think I talked when I talked about it on one episode, I said you might have to go somewhere where they hook you up to all these things. So that's great if they can do it at home. I, I, I never did. They're still doing those. Oh, they are? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, they're still doing them. Uh, certain, certain, if you meet certain criteria to, to get an in-lab done, great. 
but, but yeah, for the most part, uh, home sleep studies are starting to take over. Okay. And you, you know, you talked about sleep deprivation. How does sleep deprivation affect the way that you eat? Is that one thing that you talk to your clients about? I mean, does it make you eat more? Does it make you just in general, make you not want to do anything like I said, and just eat? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things I think we, we kind of talked about this when we, when I, I guess when we were contacted back and forth was it affects leptin and ghrelin. Okay. So leptin and ghrelin are the two hormones uh, that tell us when our body wants to eat when we're hungry. And then it tells, and then one tells us when we're full and when, when to stop eating. Uh, well, the crazy part about sleep deprivation or even with sleep apnea um, is so, so leptin is the hormone that tells us that it's time to eat. Ghrelin tells us that, that we're finished. Okay. So what happens is one of those hormones, the, the hormone that, t- that, that, that tells us, okay, you know, it's time to, it's time to stop eating. That gets suppressed. Right. And so the one that tells us that, that, we're, that, we're, that we need to eat is increased. So now what it does, it makes us crave fattier, higher calorie foods. And for a lot of my clients, they, they don't realize that they're doing it, you know, because it's just like, oh, man, like I want a snack. And so they'll go to the kitchen or go to the cupboard and, and, they'll, and they'll just start just going to town. And it's like, of course, they know they're doing it, but yeah. they don't know why they're doing it. They don't understand why their body is craving that. You know, so all the exercise and dieting that, that, that they're doing, well, now it's, it's become counterproductive because their body's craving these higher calorie, you know, and, and fattier foods because they're not sleeping right. And so that's pretty much my goal. And, and, and what I do for my clients is that I help teach them how to sleep and how to do it. Um, for some people, it's, you know, yeah, it's as easy as just laying down and closing your eyes. But a lot of people, it's not that easy. And so that's what I do. So I, I help them with routine development. Um, just to create triggers for your for your brain to pick up and recognize leading up to bed. Um, also do environment. You know, what, what does your environment look like? Is it dark? Is it cool? What kind of activities are you doing? Like, you know, are you are you doing work or school or finances in the bedroom? Like, stop doing that, you know, because we, we only want your body, you know, in your brain to 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 associate that environment with sleep and relaxation. Yeah, that was one thing years ago I realized that. Sometimes I just needed to go take a little nap. I wasn't hungry because yeah. I was like, I just ate two hours ago. I'm not hungry. But just the act of becoming cognizant of that, yeah. of figuring out that, hey, <laughs> just don't shove the Snickers bar in your mouth because you're trying <laughs> to get energy. And I still have to deal with that. You know, like I said, this week, I was really tired those two days. And there was one day that I was like, oh, I- I'm ready to eat my snack. It's like, no, you're not. You just had breakfast. You know, that, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, not yeah. that long ago. So, uh, but I mean, it, it's it's a fight still. I mean, like I tell people, it's not just because you've been doing it a long time, all of a sudden those things go away. It's something you're always having to be conscious of. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was glad you talked about the leptin and ghrelin. I didn't know how to pronounce it, but I've heard that from other, other uh, guests that I've had too. How does sleeping better also, you talked a little bit about how it affects your body, but when you exercise, does that make a difference in how tired you are, you know, if you try to exercise when you're sleep deprived? Oh, absolutely. Um, so if you try to exercise, when, so I have, I have athletes that are clients, right? And so really a lot of it is timing. So when to do things, you know, what time, what's part of the day to do things. So if you're working out and exercising, um, and of course, age, age plays a factor, you know, so that's, you know, so I, I, I kind of get to that too, you know, figure out, you know, how, okay, how old are you and all these different things, because as we age, our, our sleep naturally deteriorates, as right? But anyway, long as I'm going off topic here. So when it comes to exercising, you know, and sleeping, really around between 10 a.m. to about 1 p.m. is when you're at your peak, okay, performance-wise, um, for anything, whether whether it's work, whether it's, you know, it's working out, exercising, 
So I have my clients, you know, schedule, you know, the, the most important tasks of the day or the most important workouts of the day in that time where they're the most productive and where they're going to, they're going to be the most effective. Because if you don't, if you're trying to work out and exercise, you know, late in the evening, you, you're not always mentally or physically present during those workouts. You're really not doing anything at that point. You're just kind of going through the motions. And so that's what I, what I advise my clients, whether they're athletes, non-athletes, I advise them, no, do not do, you know, late, late evening workouts. Because some are like, oh, yeah, I go to the gym at 8 p.m. Don't do that. You know, because now, like, now your body's all hyped up. You know, the, yeah. you're stressing your body out. You're working out. So now the cortisol's flowing. And then when you get home and try to go to bed, you, now you can't. You know, so I always recommend working out two to three hours before bed. Because working out is great. It does help with sleep, but but your body needs that downtime leading up to it. You know, you can't just go work out hard and then go, to, and then go home like, okay, I'm going to go sleep. That's, it's not going to work. No, um, I'm bad. I have to admit, I'm still bad about that. One of my, th- <laughs> one of my things is, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a night, owl, night owl. So yeah. it's like I come alive, but it's like, no, you have to go to sleep now. So, I mean, that's one of the things that I, you know, I've had to deal with, but it's nice that to know that between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. is pretty much your optimal time. And yeah. uh, I do notice that I get more done usually around that time. And about after three o'clock, I'm done. <laughs> my my yeah. body and yeah. brain's like, yeah, no, 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 not no more. And um, I think, and real quick, I'm sorry, I think I got no, it backwards. So the, the, the leptin is the hormone that tells us that we're, that we're finished eating. Ghrelin is the one that tells us that it's time. Okay. Uh, I, got, I got those backwards. Okay. I knew it was one of those because I just heard yeah. about leptin, what is a few years ago, because I think my, my leptin receptors are broken. <laughs> and the ones <laughs> in my family, because I could just eat, eat, eat. It's like, oh, wait, I just finished off three plates. But that's one of those things where we're becoming conscious of it. And if you're not sleep right. deprived, you know what's happening. I don't know if this is your specialty area, but how does lack of sleep affect your insulin, your blood sugar levels? Uh, I've been reading a lot about uh, insulin resistance lately. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the thing. And, and I really think there's something to that. Uh, I wish or would have known this years ago, but is that something that you talk to your clients about, about how even though they're not diabetic yet, but how that can lead to becoming diabetic or, you know, does sleep have a factor in that also? Oh, absolutely. So the, so the thing that I try to do um, when, when I'm educating, you know, uh, talking to my clients is I try to, you know, try to give them a pretty much a, 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 an explosive, you know, view of, of everything that, that sleep apnea or sleep deprivation affects. And one of those, you know, insulin resist, resistance does come up. Um, when I was working in the clinic, you know, we, we would have clients that have, you know, type two, you know, diabetes. Um, and for those that don't know, 50% or more of type two diabetics have sleep apnea um, because sleep apnea and type two diabetes, they, have the, they share the same associated risk factors, which is obesity, you know? Um, and so, and, and that is, that's kind of how, how it affects the, the insulin part of it is because it, it doesn't allow for like for glu- glucose control. That's what I'm trying to get to. Um, it affects glucose control. So as we're sleeping, we have what's called a circadian clock or circadian rhythm. And so, and that clock regulates what functions happen at certain times of the night. Okay. So when we're sleeping, there is a lot of our functions, you know, body functions that aren't, that aren't active. They're not supposed to be active. You can't be, you know, so like our, our, our bladder shut down, you know, uh, our heart rate slows down, you know, certain, certain stages of sleep is where our blood, pre- blood, blood pressure control happens. And so that's where we see a lot of, uh, a lot of diabetics, they're, they're what's called treatment resistant, meaning like they're, they're getting their insulin and everything, but, but it's still difficult to control 
um, because because our body isn't able to relax and into into uh, distribute you know like the nutrients and oxygen throughout the body that was used that day, or even the glucose that was used that day. Um, so it's really really hard for them to try to get control of that when they're sleep deprived or if they have you know severe apnea. Uh, it's very very difficult, but you know, when they get them tested and they decide to go on therapy, uh, likely CPAP therapy, um, with, within a couple of weeks, you know, they're, they're, you know, back to, not only say back to normal, but their symptoms are easier to control or yeah. manage, I would say. So would you recommend that if somebody does notice that, hey, I'm taking this insulin and, you know, my blood sugar is still not in control, maybe talking to a doctor about, I think I'm having some sleep issues or, you know, hopefully their physician would listen to them and say, well, check it out. Because like I said, I've, I've learned a lot about in the last few, even just a few months about how insulin affects everything about you. And, you know, even like being caught co- your cognitive function. I've even heard that they, they're calling, was it Alzheimer's the type, maybe type three diabetes now? I don't know if you've oh, heard wow. that. Yeah. Because, yeah, because insulin, uh, it, it, how it just affects your whole body. So if I, I feel if you can get your sleep, and you're just your overall life under control, that kind of takes care of everything else. What techniques do you try to teach your clients? I'm not saying to give away all your secrets here, but no, it's okay. what kind of uh, techniques do you coach your clients through to say, hey, okay, we've identified, let's say you're sleep deprived. We're not even dealing with sleep apnea, but what can, this is what you can do to start uh, getting better night's sleep so that you have a better day. Yeah, so that's that's where um, you know the consultations come in. You know, is where, where where I'm gathering information, and really, I'm I do listen for what they are doing. But I'm really focused on what they're listening for, what they're not doing. And so when I customize and personalize the plans for them, that's that's what allows me to do that. So again, back to routine development. You know, we want to create those triggers. You know, that your body or your brain will will recognize leading up to bed. So so then just subconsciously, it'll oh, okay. You know, the last few times we did this we went to bed, well, let me go ahead and start preparing you for that and start, you know, lowering body temperature and start, you know, turning on that melatonin faucet and stuff like that. So one of the, the just, I mean, it's just some basic things is, you know, either take a bath or a shower, you know, 30 minutes leading, leading up to bed. Because what that does, obviously, when you're in the bath or taking a shower, you're hot, but when you step out, what happens, you cool off. And so as our bodies prepare for sleep, our body temperature naturally drops. So that just kind of helps, helps the process there. Something simple as brushing your teeth every night. You know, that that's a trigger. Making the bed every morning, you know, it, it, it becomes a trigger because then when you, when you, when you get to that point where you, where you go to bed, it's like, ah, yes, you know, a nicely made bed, you know, pull, pull, the, pull the covers back and, and, you're, and you're good to go. So those, I mean, those are just some of, some of the basic things that, 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 I, that I talk about uh, that I recommend to my clients and those seem to work. And then also having a set, a set bedtime and wake up time. Yeah. Um, just sometimes tweaking that alone makes a difference because what happens is again back to our circadian clock you know if you're if you're waking up at let's say that you're waking up at sometime at 7 a.m and then it may be 9 a.m and then it may be 6 a.m your body doesn't know when it needs to start the process of, of helping you wake up and and releasing the cortisol and all these different things and so it has no idea what, it, what it's doing like well, do i need to prepare to get you up at six or do i need to prepare to get you up at nine like i, I don't know i don't know what we're doing here so having a set bedtime and wake up time, you know, isn't. Yeah, I think on the weekends, that's hard sometimes because I've actually gotten to the point where I'm trying to go ahead and get at the same time on a weekend. That's my one day I get to sleep in, you know. Yeah. But but I've noticed that it is hard to get going if I don't stay consistent with my, my routine. And Sunlight uh, matters too. Sunlight yeah. matters. 
yeah. uh, because our our eyes sun our, our circadian rhythm is what governs sleep and so when we get sunlight that helps our bodies get in sync with our environment so sunlight is is important what we just had the time change here right uh pretty soon and i feel like that just messes me up yeah. all, every year you know we we fall back we go ahead and and it's almost like my body has to adjust again and then when it's adjusted it's time to change again yep. do you find any of your clients have a hard time with that too oh yeah i have a few that that suffer from what's called uh seasonal affective disorder or yeah. sad so when it's you know when it's you know gloomy out and it's always dark and you know, not dark but you know gray and not a, not a lot of sunlight um they start to experience depression and so what I recommend is light boxes. And so light boxes actually, it supposedly it simulates, you know, what, what natural sunlight would normally give you. And so it, it helps you, you know, be more awake. It helps you be more, uh, more, more happy and, and less depressed and stuff like that. So um, there's a few clients that I have now that I have using light boxes and it's totally changed the game for them. Yeah. And that helps to lead to you won't be eating. You know, of course, during the winter, everybody says, Oh, I just can't stop eating, not just because of the holidays, but it's just, yeah. it, like you said, it's dark, it's gloomy, it's, you're in the house, it's cold, and you, you want to comfort yourself. So what do you want to do? You want to eat. eat. <laughs> and then <Yeah>. you're not <laughs> sleeping because, you, you know, of all this, it's, it's almost like a, uh, I call it peeling back the, the layers of the onion, you know, you get to the sleep, and then that leads to taking care of something else and something else. Yeah, and then also with the phones, you know, we have the tablets and everything that are always there. That's one of my things I have to remember, put the phone away. And I don't think I'm the only one that deals with that. But Oh, like, absolutely not. Yeah, like you said, there's, there's a certain time when I'm like, when you're done, like no TV, turn that off and, yeah. you know, try to get my triggers. Like last night, you know, I told you when we were talking before we started recording, I think my brain sleep deprived. I was up a little later doing some things, but um, but I knew better. But that's the whole point of all this. We learn like you're teaching us today and then yeah. we can make adjustments as we need to. Yeah, that's, it's really, really, it's really important. Um, and that's one of the other things I talk to my clients about is, is, is having a 30 minute downtime leading up to bed um, with, with no, no screens, no phones, um, you know, no, no tablets, computers, whatever, you know, whatever, like 30 minute downtime, you know, read, you know, even TV is TV is OK. But like nothing that's like directly, you know, like, you know, like right here. Some people sit on the couch and watch TV for a little bit until, you know, to wind down and then go to bed. Because, uh, you know, my, my wife does this. Like she'll be in the living room and she'll be on her phone and she's like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so sleepy. And then like she'll go to bed and then she'll be on her phone for another like 10 minutes. I'm like, no, no, like go back out there and do that. <laughs> you know, come back in here, you know, when you're ready to go to sleep. Because I'm, I'm very religious about that. When I go to bed, like my phone, I, I turn my, my, uh, my light on my phone down. And, and, and it's down. I'm done. Don't look at it again. You know, uh, because what happens is, especially like if you're if you're on like social media and you're like laughing and all oh, that's funny, you know, well, then your, your brain starts to associate that environment with, with wakefulness and excitement. That's not what you want, you know. So and that's what I tell my clients. And they're like, oh, yeah, I didn't really think about that. You no. Know, so once we make those tweaks, you know, and their body starts to realize, oh, OK, this is a this is an environment for relaxation and, and for sleep, you know, calm then that that's where, you know, the, the, you start reaping the benefits. Yeah. One thing, too, I was thinking about when you were talking about that, of how important it is to teach these techniques to your children also. Uh, yes. It's just like trying to teach them better eating habits. They're not going to learn this just by osmosis. You know, it's a getting in a routine. Okay, everybody, it's, I don't know, whatever your bedtime. It's 830. We need to, you know, put our phones away, put the tablets away, put the toys away. Let's sit a little bit or, you know, it's your reading time or, you know, something to help to, teach them the time to 
to power down is what I call yeah. it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So hopefully the parents will pass it on to the kids. So when they become adults, hopefully they won't need you as much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll just be there to remind them, don't forget to do these things. Yeah. That's the goal. And that's what we call limit setting uh, when it comes to uh, dealing with like the pediatric you know, population, because it's really, and that's one of the populations that I work with. I have three, I have athletes, mental health and obstetrics. Um, you know, so I work with, you know, women that are, uh, you know, families that are, that are having children and stuff like that. Um, and so one of the things is growth hormone, you know, so 75% of growth hormone is released during stage three sleep. Well, stage three sleep is the stage of sleep that children spend the most time in, which is why it is sleep is very, very important and vital to their mental and physical growth and development. So that's, it's really, really important that they, that they prioritize that for their kids because that's what helps them grow. Well, I'm glad you said, I didn't know you worked with um, children also or mm -hmm. in that yeah. way. So I, I'm glad you're or helping. Parents. I, help, I work with yeah. parents for their children. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're helping the next generation to, to, to get better sleep. So which would also help with the type two diabetes. Cause also what I'm hearing is that this generation behind us is going to be the first one to probably have a, a shorter lifespan than their parents. And part of it is yeah. because of obesity and, and like I said, leads to diabetes and things like that. But uh, I, I think that we can turn it around. With oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially with you helping, like I said, the parents teaching the kids the importance of this and it, it, with the healthier eating and how to schedule their time and things like that. I call it just basic life skills that we don't get taught yeah, yeah. in school <laughs> anymore. Yeah. And I want to add to something really quick because it's funny because uh, I've talked to other people before and they'll, they'll make the comment like, oh, I don't want you to give, up, you know, give your secrets away. It, it doesn't bother me because... Uh, this is my, my as long my time in healthcare has taught me um, that you can't just give someone you know a plan and say okay I'll see you back in two or three weeks or a month they're not going to do it you know so like so me talking about this you know like some people oh man I have to start doing that a lot of people aren't going to do it you know and so one of the benefits of you know when I work with my clients is that they they have access to me um, I I actually hold their hand throughout the whole process and and I, and I embark on that sleep journey with them. Um, because there's a level of compliance and a level of confidence, comfort um, that you get knowing that you have that support, someone that you can actually reach out to and say, hey, the last couple of nights weren't, weren't all that great. This is what I did. How can we prevent this from happening again? You know, and then we'll have a conversation about it. You know, so that's kind of kind of the added bonus of, of having me as a sleep coach is that I, I'm with you throughout. The well, I think that some of when you're too close to the situation, it's hard for you to see uh, what's the fix or what's what's not going right. And then once you're pointed out, it's like, oh, well, that was right in front of me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. yeah. Well, Thomas, I, I thank you for coming on the podcast today. I mean, I've learned a lot and I, I actually makes me want to go research some more on this topic. Or if I have any questions, I'll reach out to you. But oh, please. Can you tell our listeners how they can con connect with you if there's social media or email or anything like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my business is called Circadian Health Systems, LLC. Um, so you can go to my website, www.circadianhealth.org. Um, you can text me, call me uh, at 309-840-5644. Um, you know, and all my information will be on the, on the website, my email address and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, please. Don't hesitate. Feel free to reach out. Uh, I love being a resource and, and I love talking about this kind of stuff. I'm very passionate about it. So um, anything I can do to help, uh, let me know. Yeah. And I'll go ahead and put all your contact information in the show notes so they'll be able to reach out to you. So thank all you right. again for being a, being a guest and maybe we'll have to have you back sometime if 
you know, if you get some other questions that you can educate our listeners on. Yeah, please do. And thank you very much, Glenn. I appreciate it. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only. The views of any guest on the podcast are their own. The host of this podcast is not a medical doctor, nurse, or health professional. You should consult with your doctor, nurse, or health professional before you begin any weight loss or maintenance or exercise programs.